Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Gravity Falls. You're recording? Okay. So you have to say you're recording, not just dance back and forth, Noel. But it's my idol animation. I can't help it. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Streaming in Place. He's standing as, as still as he possibly can. I don't know. standing as, as still as he possibly can. Um, and... <laughs> I think that's appropriate. I look forward to seeing how long you maintain that. And if you go for the whole half hour, then, like, hip of the imaginary hat. <laughs> um, so we're back here talking about Gravity Falls, Season 1, Episodes 9 and 10, The Time Traveler's Pig, and Fight Fighters. And I, you know, I could have done names and everything, but I just, we can't, we gotta cut right to the chase. We gotta get right into it, because Waddles! Waddles, Waddles is here! <laughs> are you as excited as we are, Allison, about Waddles? I mean, this is my first indication that Waddles is going to stick around. Um, yeah. So now I am. Yeah. Waddles that's, is that's there great. for the duration. Yeah. Oh, that's great. We needed an oppa. Yeah. Like, what Gravity Falls was missing was an oppa. And now they have one. And that's great. Yeah. That's so th- wonderful. This is Waddles the thing forever. that I wouldn't shut up about where I was like, there's an element to Mabel's character that is like, Waddles! <laughs> like, imagine you, like, you went back and you were watching Avatar, and for some reason, Appa wasn't there for the first, you know, however many episodes. You'd be like, wait, wait, what is, what's going on here? What is this bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. As Marcus says, he's Mabel's soulmate. Very important. Uh, Yes, I have other thoughts about these episodes, but that's really clouding my my take on all of them. <laughs> so we're going to give Waddles the appropriate time. But first, I want to know briefly from Allison what you thought of the previous two episodes, since you were not able to join us last time. Um, that would be uh, Double Dipper and Irrational Treasure. Any quick thoughts? Uh, yeah. Called it. <laughs> called it. <laughs> Super duper called it. <laughs> Listener, she's dancing. <laughs> I was dancing. Uh, I was standing as still as I possibly could. Um, I don't really think I should actually get that much credit because my guesses were very logical based on really good episode titles. Um, but still, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna keep dancing. <laughs> uh, I liked both those episodes a lot. Um, I, uh, d- yeah, I don't know. They were good. Good episodes. Okay. Uh, I was particularly delighted by Irrational Treasure just because it was so much fun and I love a good time travel story and um oh wait, now I'm confusing those. Whatever. The f- No, I'm not. Yes, I am. The Brittle and the time traveling <laughs> yes, eighth and a half you. president. Yeah. There we go. My brain is a soup today. It's not really time traveling if you're just stuck in brittle, though. If it's you're just, just in stasis. Being frozen. Yeah, you're in stasis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, any resolution to embrace your own weirdness and not seriousness is great. And uh, Pacifica Northwest is an excellent drag name. I have to assume that that's something someone has been using already. Because um, <laughs> it's like it's like an A-plus drag name. Um, the, the closest that I can come up with, which someday someone is going to say, Allison, I need a drag name, and I can't come up with something, which is unlikely. But if but if anybody ever seeks me out, it's like, will you help me come up with a drag name? We've got a perfect one. And it's Parallel Parker. <laughs> um, nice. that's, that's pretty good. Thanks. So Pacifica Northwest and Parallel Parker can can... Compete on all stars together as a team of two. Not really. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yes, good episodes. 
Okay, well, let's talk then here about The Time Traveler's Pig, which is our first of our two episodes for this week. I know Marcus, uh, Noel, and I were all very excited for this one. Hopefully you weren't too overhyped by what we had previously said, Allison, for this one. What did you think of this episode? What was your take as a first-time viewer? Oh, it was great. It felt like, um, you know how, like, three or four episodes into Legends of Tomorrow Season 2, you're like, wait a minute. This feels like it leveled up. This, I certainly am not comparing the early episodes of Gravity Falls to the first seasons of Legend of Tomorrow. I am not. I would never. But it does feel like a similar sort of um, step up. And that's true of both of these episodes, actually. A little bit more ambitious, a little weirder, a little more narratively twisty and cool. Um, And, you know, and I had feelings. I felt some real feelings, um, which is great. I mean, it's obviously especially about Waddles, but yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. Noel, how was it revisiting this one for you? Did it did it hold up? It does hold up, and I was re- I was really delighted in part because, like you had said, Kate, we were waiting for Waddles to appear to complete the circle of the Gravity Falls cast. Um, I like that comparison to Appa. Um, it's very appropriate. So I I was very glad. And this episode, I think, is really, really good. It's a solid time travel episode. Um, And Blendon Blandon is just the absolute best (laughs) name for time agent that is about to be punished by the time baby. (laughs) Yeah, the the credits, like, gags have been just very good as we're watching this. Uh, It actually makes it challenging on Hulu because I watch all the way to the end and then I have to like quick stop the next episode before Mm -hmm. it can start. Um, But no, the, uh, yeah, I found the voice work by Justin Roiland uh, a bit distracting this time because I'm so familiar with his voice from Rick and Morty now. But uh, the, uh, oh yeah, (laughs) Marcus is also, it's Deep Bradley Baker. So, I mean, there's, of course, that's going to impact uh, how you how you feel about uh, Waddles because you know he's the best, but um, but no, I did find the the blended Blandin voice performance a little distracting because I so strongly associate Roland's voice with Rick and Morty at this point. But when I let when I like force myself to like split those two things apart, separate them in my brain, such a fun character. I love that the time travel device is a tape measure. Uh, I <laughs> I enjoy like the uh, the the various approaches. Of different of the different people to time travel, um, uh, I loved the uh, the you know Dipper trying to be like, she'll, she'll be fine. A day later, she's still beating her head against the pole. Like a month later, um, I, this is all just absolutely delightful. Mabel the miserable, <laughs> look upon her in despair. <laughs> well, and I feel like this is a good time, you know, talking about this episode t- for me to. Tag in um, Noel, because I'm trying to remember, is the you know, this is the Alison and I had talked about, do we get more to Wendy? Is there more to Wendy that I'm forgetting about? Because I really feel like she just kind of stays in this lane for the rest of the show. And I want to make sure I adjust my expectations accordingly, because I'm not remembering that she actually becomes a more interesting character. She's just kind of chill and fun, is what I'm remembering. Is there more to Wendy, or is this about it? No, I feel like this is about it, if I'm remembering correctly. I feel like we get more with her family mm-hmm. in terms of growth and development because her dad's the lumberjack, um, as gets alluded to at the end of Fight Fighters. Um, but yeah, I don't think that there's more to her. I don't think, but I'm 
again, the ways in which this show is viewed upon our first watching has done me no favors in remembering anything. Okay. Yeah, so, because so, all what I'm recalling, I, you know, I, I just always have enjoyed and connected so much stronger with Mabel than with Dipper, and I think that's part of my, you know, the limitations with, with the Dipper, Dipper storylines is that there are many of them that are tied so strongly to Wendy, and that's, I think, actually rather appropriately, much less about who Wendy actually is and says more about Dipper because he's, you know, just infatuated with her. It's not actually so much about her as it is that she's around and she's cool and he's 12. Um, so, and she's, what, 16, 15? 15. 16, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I thought that we got, what we got here worked pretty well. I, <laughs> I enjoy just how dumb Robbie is. Uh, don't, listeners... If you get a black eye, don't put sugar water on it. Don't like <laughs> and, like don't hold a sugary like hold the 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 cold part with the handle. That could work, but don't put syrup on, on an eye wound. Um, but it, it, they feel very age appropriate. Uh, I liked the um, the one foiling we get of Robbie's smooth play, uh, having uh, to like his his just oh so. Um, age-appropriate response, um, being what it is, uh, to just pull his hoodie up and stop, stop off. And then I presume in this, in that timeline, successfully ask her out the next day, right? (laughs) It's not going to change the timeline. Sorry, Dipper. Um, so that part of it, I thought worked about as well as, as I'm going to expect for that corner of the show. I look forward to, uh, you know, what this, these motion, uh, like these moments that we get with Mabel and Dipper, mean for their relationship and the show moving forward. That's really what I connect to in this episode. Besides the shenanigans, shenanigans are always fun. Yeah, and I think there's there's like some validity to that in terms of Robbie's the worst, as both of these episodes kind of establish. Um, but there's that degree of age appropriateness and that degree of. This is a bad decision that narratively Wendy has to make mm-hmm. for like whatever character growth of you have to date this guy who's like, I'm going to show off my tight jeans. She's like, no. Also, no. don't date the 12 year old. Yeah. Also, but also that, don't date the 12 year old. That wouldn't be better. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> Allison, do you have any thoughts on, on that corner of things? Uh, not really. Um, tj miller is the worst Mm -hmm. so it's yeah uh yeah you know i will say that it's 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 good that i'm not being asked to like robbie a whole ton uh because that would be honestly be a little bit of a bar for entry for me because his voice is so distinctive um and he sucks so much just so much um and he still gets hired for things and it's really yeah. yeah. Um I also really enjoyed the shenanigans um and uh the the continual growth in our comprehension of the Mabel Dipper relationship. Mm-hmm. Um and Wendy seems cool. And yeah, don't put a snow cone on your eye. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um final thoughts on this episode. Uh what's the worst timeline disruption? The oh, <laughs> Mabel just be like, it's a high five. Tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> versus the 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 calculator versus what else did we get disrupting the timeline? Which one stood out to you? I liked the you're going to vote eventually. Um you know, uh I think probably the calculator. 
is the worst if we're if we're being very strict to sort of the our perceived rules of time travel. Um, but what I want to know is if I go back and watch the pilot, will I see Blendon Blandon in the background? Mm-hmm. That's what I want to know. Like when all the gnomes are one big gnome, is he in the background? I don't think so, because I definitely don't remember spotting him in the wax in the wax museum episode. But yeah, no, that's a fair point. I may just go and double check that, but I don't think he's in there. Um, well, I think it was. We can only hope for so much, I guess. We can only hope for so. Animation's much expensive. <laughs> it is expensive, um, and people would have gotten very distracted by wait. Who's that guy in the gray jumpsuit just hanging out in the back there? It would have it would have been tipping your hand a little bit, but also good tipping your hand. Um, well, did we notice our apparently time traveling prospector, or just have they always looked like that? No, they've always looked like that. That that <laughs> man is internal. internal. Um, yeah, I think the high five is the worst, just because I was thinking about it in context of. I don't know how well these people understand germ theory yet. We barely <laughs> understand germ theory, and you're introducing high fives to people who are going to die of dysentery. <laughs> it's important, important distinction, yeah. Uh, I will say um, uh, Claire Fraser on Outlander does more to disrupt the timeline just by, <laughs> like, her existing. Her um, yeah. Penicillin, syringes, um, uh, vaccination. Like, she just she tells people about vaccination. All kinds of stuff. Um Put blue cheese in my wound. That's a spoiler for future Outlander seasons. Well, um, she doesn't know any better. There hasn't been like a, a, a century worth of time travel narratives to tell you not to do that. That's true. <laughs> but she is a physician. Yeah. So she should know that like she's carrying back. a bu- like, I'm sorry, you brought up germ theory. And this is my favorite pet Outlander issue. Um, is that Claire screws up medicine forever. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, high, Marcus says high five is probably a more noticeable thing since the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll eventually have... get back to high fives, and that'll be a nice time when we get there. You were saying no. No, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I was saying. I lost my train of thought. Okay. So. That's because you're all the, you've been disrupting your blood flow by your um, constant... My idol moving, animation. Standing as still as you can. Well, and then I think that's... You know, it's a perfect time to pivot to our second episode, Fight Fighters, uh, which is, I think, you know, just like, I do have issues, like we talked about in the previous episode, I have issues with some of the gender stuff here, because, you know, just hate each other quietly, like girls do, is, like, obviously there is some truth to how women are socialized to interact with each like, that comes from a place of, of, like, observation, and, like... There's truth to that stereotypically and all of that, but also that's really dumb and that's perpetuating it, but also it's funny. Uh, how, how do we feel about that aspect of this episode before we get into the more straightforward toxic masculinity and how it's not better? <laughs> um, I, hmm, I guess on the one level, on one level, it's easy to read as... Uh, an understanding by this 12-year-old and this 16-year-old, however old he is, of their perspective on on how women um, and girls handle, um, I don't know, conflict, animosity. Conflict. Yeah. 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 Um, 
However, we just got two episodes of that not being what happens, um, where we've got like a te- like a Regina George figure um, doing what Regina Georges do, uh, which is sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's my like, oh, I love your top. That top is so fucking ugly, right? Like sometimes it's that, and sometimes it's you suck, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I fi- I that line stuck out to me too. I feel like it's um. It's always a problem when your show is directly contradicting itself, even if it's just for a moment. So yeah, and they do I, it twice in this episode with the, basically the same premise. Uh, well, and doesn't yeah. Grunkle Stan say it too? Not that we should mm-hmm. be going to Grunkle Stan for <laughs> these things, but you know. Yes, but Stan says it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and the like all of the gender stuff in here is clearly not what you're supposed to do, right? Like be a man and get beaten for no reason, right? Like the. The the episode is very funny and very entertaining. I really enjoy it. Uh, if you try to look, I think, too close at the messaging of it, it's more muddled, uh, I think somewhat intentionally and somewhat out of not worrying about it. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of, I go back and forth about it, and then I just feel like, it's not trying to, to, to make a magnus, magnum opus statement about gender and about how we enter, you know, interpersonal dynamics. So maybe you're overthinking this, Kate. Um, Noel, do you have any thoughts on that part of it? Or, or are you just focusing on the, the animation and the, and the fighting games? Am I, am I just too focused on the street fighter of it all? No, I think that no, because it stands out really hard because we've just had like this whole run of episodes about, Dipper's approach to Wendy and specifically, but also his whole bag of this is how I'm supposed to behave sort of a deal with the Manatars. And I don't think that this episode adds anything to that discussion. Um, It just kind of makes the discussion, like you said, Kate, a little more muddled because, yeah, it's both Robbie and Dipper's sort of perspective, but also Stan's. But again, don't listen to Stan about anything. Um, but it just, it still feels like it's undercutting things a little bit that it's played for a laugh because there's that degree of, ah, women, am I right? Ladies? Yes. I'm doing finger guns, listeners. (laughs) Um, and so it's that kind of a, it's a joke, but there's that degree of, but is it a joke? Yeah. Type of deal that makes it really frustrating uh especially as someone who hates a number of people very silently um (laughs) just i'm just like no no plenty of people do this everyone hates people silently um even well into their 30s um well and i think um the fact that we're having this conversation about it means that that part of the episode failed pretty hard i think right Mm -hmm. because on the one i think it's important to remember that while this is obviously an all ages show it is um all ages which includes kids and when you're writing for kids you have to be cognizant of the messaging that you're putting into it right which doesn't mean that there needs to be a very special episode every episode or that there needs to be a big lesson um but you look at something like mabel learning that her own lack of seriousness and weirdness can be really beneficial. Like, I think particularly when she's looking at the painting upside down, right? Or the sculpture, I guess, upside down. Um, Right? Like, moments like that, 
you can dig in and find the moral, but it's also just a really fun story. Here, it's it's also not subtext, right? It's super text. So if you have to do the work to think now, do, does the show think this or do the characters think this? At some point, something has gone wrong. Right. Um, so that bugs. Um, it also feels like a like a too deliberate punchline. Um, Punch. <laughs> yeah <laughs> bowl of punch um i yeah it feels like they arrived at that line in the writing writer's room and then everybody patted each other on the back kind of um which which when the energy is bitches be shopping like it's not which it's not obviously that's not the line but that is the vibe is bitches be shopping and i i was not about it um that said everything else about that episode i really really enjoyed so i complicated feelings sorry go, go ahead yeah. and that gets into the fact that the show has a weird writer's room set up it's very much a mad madman's writer's room in which writers came up with kind of concepts and did like drafts but then alex um hirsch and the creative producer for the show basically would rewrite everything um hirsch has said that he, they're basically he wrote every single line of dippers across the entire show's run because he is dipper um, and that he also wrote a fair bit of like Mabel stuff as well. Um, so it's one of those situations where the line for that gets kind of squiggly, but then gets really clear about who's responsible. It's one of those instances. Um, and I think that that's something to be cognizant of going forward, especially with a lot of Dipper's dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's also something yeah. that like when you have so few reliable characters, like who can you have push right. back on that? The answer is Seuss. You could have given a line to Seuss about it, like you know, in the, just just chill out, guys. Like yeah. only, you could have you could easily have provided a counter to that, and uh, and they just didn't find space for that, or they didn't prioritize that. Um, as someone who didn't really do fighting games growing up, a because I'm bad at them. And rather would rather have done uh, like you know your 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 Pac Mans and such at the arcade. Uh, not that I went to arcades, uh, but uh, but also just because I was too busy reading books and watching TV. Um, <laughs> well, that's very rude because I was able to read books and watch TV and play video games. But. Well, congrats. Well, and learning instruments. <laughs> yeah, not congrats that, on that's your hand eye coordination, both of you. <laughs> Ooh, I've got such great hand eye coordination. Look at me. Hey. It also mm. comes with tendonitis now, apparently. Well, <laughs> some of us got tendonitis the old-fashioned way by typing too much and occasionally playing Plants vs. Zombies. Come on. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, I've never been able to uh, play games like that because I have zero hand-eye coordination. Uh, but even knowing that, even with that caveat, um, the language of it is, the visual language of it is so specific that I feel yes. like, even though I'm not a Tekken person, I caught... Maybe not every joke, but certainly most of them. Um, and it was really fun to watch the show have so much visual flair. Yeah, I love the style of it. I, like, I, I loved the the pixelation that they really commit to that. I pixels loved... are so sharp. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it, the the guy is flat on the ground, and the, but still the the 
threat is still there from those like area of attack kind of you know combos that I assume are a thing in the game. Um, yeah. yeah, no, my video game experience was watching my brothers play video games, occasionally cutting grass in uh, Zelda for for rupees, and then uh, I would play Goldeneye, but like I would have to be odd job. Uh, so that I would have an advantage, so it was harder to kill. Right, I was terrible. Our jobs shorter than the than everybody the, else, so you have to else. like re-aim, right? Yep. So if I was odd job and we did golden gun and we did a couple levels that I knew like the back of my hand, I could get third place sometimes <laughs> instead of fourth. Uh, so that's like I'm really bad at fighting games. Uh, but but I, I I think it's a testament to the episode that like you're saying, Elson, so much of this lands even for me. Um, you know, I I liked also the the subplot of Seuss getting stuck in the machine and <laughs> getting out off screen. I love that that stays off screen. Mm-hmm. Um, as the you know fighting game person in the in the conversation here, <laughs> no. Uh, well, at least comparatively. Yeah. Right, comparatively, yes. <laughs> well, what stands out? What are there? Can you think of any things that maybe that Alice and I aren't picking up on that you particularly enjoyed? No, I think that one of the main strengths of this whole thing is that it doesn't rely really heavily on really specific references. Like the menu UI for the arcade is very much inspired by Street Fighter. Um, Street Fighter one or two, I can't quite remember which. I think it's two. Um, but then, like, the cutscenes and everything that you get, the ridiculous convoluted of the plot of how dare you kill my father again, um, all of that is, A, really kind of true to the games, but it is also just so over the top and so overdramatic that it's still funny. Like, it still lands um, in a way that you can have appreciation for without um, having played those games. Even down to the secret code that you have the secret input that you have to do where unlocks the unlocks your fighter into the 3d world um like all games especially from that era um and in arcades had those little secret things that were built into them um up down up left right left right a b a b start right along those lines exactly that either gave you unlimited lives or invincibility or unlocked all the fighters at once um and so, but at the time, like, especially like when that arcade was made, you could only find out about those things from other people or from like things etched into the side of the arcade, uh, because now you can just look it up online because people know. Um, but back in the eighties and nineties, um, there was no way to disseminate widely that information. So you just had to learn it basically, um, or subscribe to Nintendo power. Like I did. <laughs> um, so Marcus I, says- yeah. I was half surprised it wasn't the Konami code. Uh, yeah. I was mostly impressed it wasn't the Konami code, and it was like props to them for just doing their own code for it, but it harkens back to the Konami code, right? Of like reminding you, this is the thing. Um, but yeah, no, so I think it all generally works, even if you just have a vague idea of what Street Fighter is as you walked past it in like a Pizza Hut or something um, in the 90s, and then kids watching this today that have no reference for street fighter as it is represented here can just kind of appreciate it for, Oh, that's old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just like the action, the plot beats in so many 
bad action movies from the 80s. Yeah, exactly. You know, your 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 lesser Rockies and such. Anything starring Dolph Lundgren. Uh, I appreciated Rude. the neck can't go up, right? You know? <laughs> there's no up look. Um, can't look up. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot to enjoy there. Uh, do we have any final thoughts on Fight Fighters? Violence does not solve anything. Like it just it doesn't. Yeah. Or does it? I think maybe Dipper and Robbie both need to go back to the Manators to learn what not to do. Yeah. And just like get like yeah. they're spending so much energy on this. Like find more interesting things to spend your energy on. <laughs> Argue about the lost finale like the rest of us. Yeah, clearly in this in this podcast we stand the lost finale, guys. That's just that's what it is. Just love lost. He would love lost. <laughs> lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Marcus, if you have any final thoughts on these episodes, go ahead and drop it in the chat. Uh, our next episodes are going to be next week, Monday. We'll have episodes eleven and twelve, Little Dipper and Summerween. So, Allison. Any thoughts, any predictions on Little Dipper and Summerween? Well, question, is it Little Dipper or is it Lil Dipper? It's Little, yes. Okay. Not Lil as in Gideon, yes. Um, whatever. I'm still, I was hoping it was Lil. I'm still predicting this is when, you've already told me that Lil Gideon comes back. So I'm predicting this is when Lil Gideon comes back. Okay. Um, and it's revealed that Lil Gideon is really adult Gideon. And then, and then Dipper also becomes Lil. So then there's Lil Dipper. That's, that's my, or he, there's like a, maybe he gets Willy wonka um, like Mike TV. Okay. Uh, I'm either of those, but yeah, real, real guess and fake guess. And then, um, Summerween I'm guessing is like Christmas in July, but for Halloween. Um, and Mabel wears an amazing costume. Um, that lights up. That's my big prediction. Can I plug something quick though? Oh, please do. This yeah. is also for Monday, which is why I want to do it now because otherwise people won't be there. So on Monday, and y'all should come if you want to. I'm sorry, I'm gesturing towards Kate and all uh, <laughs> listeners. Um, on Monday, I'm doing a thing. Uh, I'm a part of a group here in Chicago called Redacted. We used to do shows at the Music Box Theater, which eventually we will go back and do more shows at the Music Box Theater. But for now, we are occasionally doing one on Twitch. Um, it is my birthday this weekend. And so mm -hmm. for my birthday, I get to do Bridget Jones's Diary, which means that I basically narrate Bridget Jones's Diary while people act out the screenplay. Um, they are very funny. It's on Twitch. It's Twitch. Uh, TV slash redacted, I think. Um, we'll, we'll drop a link in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but you should come. It's going to be really, really fun. A very good friend of mine is playing Bridget Jones um, and uh, some other really funny people. It's going to be great. And you should come. What time does that start? I think it's at seven. God, I should know these things. Hold on. Hold on. I mean, I'm going to plug this thing. I don't know, I know anything guys, about it. I know everything about it in terms of what exists on the page. Um, so I, I, there was a thing. I retweeted it. Where? Smug Marys. There we go. I saw the word Smug Marys. 7 p.m. Twitch.tv slash Redacted Chicago. March 8th, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, it's going to be so fun. Please come. Okay. Okay. Cool. 
Uh, well, and listeners, if you have not checked out the, uh, well, all of Elson's other podcasts, but specifically her Bridget Jones podcast over on Pod Lander Drunk Cast and their Sauce in Austin series, highly recommended. Friend of the pod, uh, Emma Fraser, has dropped by. Friend of the pod, Emma Fraser. I always say Fraser. It's Fraser. And also friend of the pod, uh, Caroline Sita, uh, has, has gone in to do episodes specifically talking about uh, Pride and Prejudice and Bridget Jones' Diary. Uh, so it's, it's, it's excellent listening and, of course, you know, highly recommend this Twitch Redacted. It'll be super fun. Um, so, yeah. And Noel's back in idling mode. So that's how we know we're at our end screen here. Uh, we will be back next week uh, with more Gravity Falls. Thank you, Marcus, for hanging out with us in the chat and sharing your thoughts. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.